0: So today we're back on that topic of biblical church leadership, and we're back here at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now last week I said that uh, qualifications are important. Without qualifications, we'd have no idea what would make a good church leader, uh, whether it be an elder pastor, whether it be a deacon, We'd have no idea. Matter of fact, I, I think I said last week that what we would end up having in churches is more like politics. It would be like uh, a popularity contest, and whoever uh, had the most followers, then that person would end up uh, being elected. And so I talked about uh, the governing uh, officials and, and maybe being like the president or the governor. Uh, but then afterwards, I began to think about that, and, and I, it dawned on me there's even requirements for that, right? And so there are requirements for the President of the United States set up by the Constitution, all right? You may know these three if you are an avid constitutionalist, but the constitutionalist, three qualifications for the presidency. The president must be at least, what, 35 years old, so at least 35 years old, be a national-born citizen. That's one of the reasons why, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, can't be the president. I know they've often talked about that over the years. And must have lived in the United States for at least 14 years. So even when we think about uh, the the governing official of the United States, there are certain requirements that must be met uh, to allow him or uh, to make him uh, a... A uh, nominated or elected official. And so when we think about the fact that uh, if our nation has requirements, then obviously a church would have requirements as well. A church um, requirements or God would have requirements for a church as well as far as uh, who should shepherd the flock of God. And so when we think about those qualifications, no doubt we would ask the question okay not what does the state think about who should run the church but but really as we think about who is the owner and the head of the church uh, we are reminded that the church is god's church that it is uh it was bought the church is bought through the good shepherd jesus christ so really if we were ever asked what should the qualifications for the church be we wouldn't ask the government and we wouldn't ask just the people within the church Really, we ought to ask, God, what are the requirements for this thing you set up called the church? And so to get that question, or to answer that question, we'd obviously have to go to the Bible. Now, we are in one of the three pastoral epistles found in the New Testament. And what does that mean? This this is one of three letters that Paul wrote to a pastor, okay? Now, there is no doubt in my mind that Paul wrote more than three letters to pastors because he was a man who really uh, loved other guys and wanted guys to succeed. And so there's no doubt in my mind that Paul wrote more than just three letters in his life to pastors. But there's only three letters that were inspired and kept for us. And so those three letters are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And so inspiration and preservation is what we have today when we think about this 1 Timothy passage. And so really as we think about this, this is originally written to a pastor, all right? Timothy was a pastor, it was originally written to Timothy, uh, a, a young pastor, and I say young, he wasn't really young as we think young today, he was probably like in his 30s um, or around maybe like 35 probably, so he was, he was young in the way of what we would expect to be young at that time, but uh, he, was, uh, he was not around my age, I'm older than that now, but uh, he, was, he, was a young, he was a young pastor. And so Paul is writing to him just to make sure that the church continues forward in the correct way, because as we know, bad leadership can really destroy a church. But not only did God write that to Timothy through Paul, but I believe because God inspired and preserved it for the church, not just for Timothy but for all churches moving forward, that this should be also important to us. And so if we ask the question, what are God's standards or what are God's qualifications for this elder, pastor, deacon role, we would have to go to portions of Scripture such as we find here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so we do want to read a portion of Scripture here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, before we, before we read that, though, uh, just a reminder that our church follows this passage as far as our leadership is concerned. So we looked at this uh, last week, but the qualifications set forth in our church constitution. Uh, so there is a parallel there. We, we talked about the, the uh, Constitution of the United States and how there's qualifications for the president. And now we're looking at the constitution for our church. And again, this is what our qualifications read. Each member of the board of elders must be an active member of the church for at least one year, manifesting the, the fruit of the Spirit and possessing the qualifi- qualifications described in, and then we, we have in our church constitution, 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, through 7, and that's what we've been talking about, as well as Titus 1, 6-9, which is another passage that talks about uh, church leadership and the qualifications for church leadership. And then notice that last bullet there. And so our church takes this very seriously. Failure to maintain the qualifications or the spirit of this constitution shall be caused for dismissal by a vote of the board of elders or the membership. And so there is a way for us. Let's say that we ended up getting some guys in, in leadership in our church, and they ended up really just like, taking the church in the, in the wrong way. We as a church have the ability to say, no, 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 no. That's not where Wilton Bible Church is going and uh, to remove them from leadership and to put other people in leadership. And so really, the way that our church constitution is written, and I believe this is a biblical approach, is that the power is given to the congregation to nominate, or not, sorry, uh, to confirm leadership but also to remove leadership if they no longer meet the qualifications outlined in the Bible. And so uh, that is uh, important uh, to remember, this is a very serious uh, topic, and when we think about these qualifications. Now hopefully that would never happen here at Wilton Bible Church. Hopefully we would never, as a church go, "Hey, you know what? Uh, that elder or that board of elders is just just way, way off. Uh, off base, and uh, we need to remove them. Hopefully, that would never happen. That would cause so many problems uh, starting from the leadership down, and hopefully that would never happen. But if it did, there would be some power there uh, for us as a congregation. All right, let's go ahead now and look at this portion here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to have you stand out of respect for God's Word. And so, again, we are asking the question, if God had some guidelines, some qualifications for leaders in the church, what would it be? And Paul communicates to Timothy, and he says this, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church? Let's stop there. Last the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do pray that you would continue to work in the hearts of our leadership in our church. Lord, uh, as, as, as church leaders, not just in our church, but in any church, we have men who are giving of their life, but men who are not perfect. Men who are still growing in their faith. Men who are still growing in your image. Men who are still growing as individuals. But Lord, we pray for our leadership, for our pastors and elders and deacons, that you would help us to be sensitive to your leading, that we'd be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that we would say yes to you and no to our flesh. You would allow us to continue to grow into the leadership you would have us to be. Again, thank you for the great guys the elders and the deacons and the pastors that I get to serve with. And thank you for our church, such a, such a sweet group of people to serve with. And so we thank you for the ministry here at Wilton Bible Church. We pray that you would use your word as you see fit. And once again, Lord, we're asking the question, if there are qualifications you set forth, what would they be? And Lord, you have inspired and preserved this for us today. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet with us and work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Somebody might ask this question. Why have qualifications at all? Why have qualifications at all? Wouldn't it be much easier if we could just pick whoever we wanted? Uh, Why have qualifications? Why, Why are there some type of benchmarks that someone must meet to really be a leader of a church? Wouldn't it be easier if there were no qualifications? And of course, that would be easier if there were no qualifications, uh, but I don't think it would be right because remember, number one, God calls leaders to leadership. God calls us all to do something in the church. Remember, We are designed for His glory. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We all have something to do here at Wilton Bible Church, but God has designated a group of leaders to lead Wilton Bible Church. So that's number one. Remember, God calls leaders. Number two, the church confirms leaders. And so we would not be able to confirm leaders unless we understood what would make a good leader. And so we are given these qualifications. This brings up a very important topic before we really move on to qualifications, which is this, and and I I talked about it a little bit in the introduction, but only elders and members of Wilton Bible Church can confirm and dismiss church leadership. So only the members of Wilton Bible Church can, really have a say in the leadership here at Wilton Bible Church. That means, and I, I gave the illustration a little bit earlier, what if we did get a group of guys that really were taking the church in the wrong direction and, and we started preaching like heresy and all of these different things? If you were not a member, you would have no power to be able to remove them. You would just be just an attender, someone who uh, serves in the church but listens. And so membership is important. Your voice is important. So only elders and members of Wilton Bible Church can confirm and dismiss church leadership. And of course, we talked about the fact that the church is the one who confirms leaders. And so when you're not a church member, you're missing an opportunity. You're missing an opportunity to really recognize church leadership. You're missing an opportunity to recognize elder pastors and deacons. You're missing an opportunity to say, yes, that is my elder. Yes, that is my pastor. Yes, that is my deacon. But maybe some people don't join the church because they just don't know how. So what happens? What happens when someone joins the church? Well, we take them into a dark room and, and we shine a light on them. We ask them all kinds of really personal questions. No, that's not what happens at all. That's not what happens at all. And so there's some uh, membership packets out in the foyer. Uh, they kind of walk you through how to become a member. Uh, but, but what you do, and, and remember the qualification for church membership is saved and baptized, and where do we get that? Out of our church constitution? No, out of the Bible. All right, saved and baptized, added to the church. That is what we see throughout the New Testament. People were saved and baptized and added to the church. So that's how we do membership as well. People who are saved and baptized. All right. So those are the two qualifi- those are the two major qualifications for for church membership. The other one is that you be in agreement with our doctrinal statement, because obviously. Um, you won't feel at home if we had a bunch of guys that agreed with our doctrinal statement, but you didn't agree with our doctrinal statement, then you wouldn't really feel at at home here. And so that's one of the other uh, requirements that we have for membership. So, So what's next? Okay, so I am saved, and I am baptized, and I do agree with the teaching here at Wilton Bible Church. Now what? Well, it's really easy. There's an application back there, and all you do is you fill it out. You turn it into the office. You hand it to one of our elders or deacons or pastors, and then I will send on that application to all of our leadership. We'll read over it, and then we'll set up a time where we can meet after church, and uh, not in a dark room, in my office, and uh, all we want to do is we want to hear your testimony. We want to know how were you saved, and then also in that meeting, there's a great opportunity for you to ask questions. Why does Wilton Bible do or I had a question in the doctrinal statement. It says, and that would be a great opportunity for you to ask those questions of our leadership. Why do we do certain things or why do we believe certain things? If you're kind of like, I'm not really sure here, that would be a great opportunity for us to answer any questions uh, that you have. And then as long as there's no red flags um, for the leadership, what we'll do is uh, we will present you to the church and uh, there will be a quick vote after church. And uh, just to let you know, I've never been part of a church where someone came for membership and the membership said, no, we don't want that person. I've never been part of a church that that's ever happened. And so um, as long as you talk to the, the elder, uh, elder pastors and everything seems to be uh, good, uh, the church will recognize you and confirm you into membership. And so that's how membership works. It's not a scary thing, all right? Again, uh, really the, the, the two major requirements is saved and baptized. The third one is equally important that you're in agreement with Wilton Bible Church. And that's really all uh, membership is. And then it gives you the ability to be able to confirm people in the church. It gives you the ability to vote. Now, obviously, church membership is more than just voting right? We're not going to talk all about church membership uh, today. I will cover that at a different time. We'll probably take a whole Sunday after we finish up with these qualifications because these two things do go hand in hand, and we'll spend a whole Sunday just on that topic of church membership. But the reason why I say that today and the reason why I bring that up today is because we need to know this. If we are not a member, we are missing an opportunity to confirm God's calling in the lives of our elder pastors and deacons, all right? We're missing an opportunity if we're not a member. We're missing an opportunity to recognize them as a leader here at Wilton Bible Church if you are not a member. All right. Last week, we talked about that first major qualification for overseer, which was what? Anybody remember? What is the first major qualification? All right. If you guessed testimony, you'd be correct, All right testimony. And where do we get that? Well, we get that from verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be what? Above reproach. Being above reproach means that an elder is to be the kind of man who no one suspects of wrongdoing or immorality. People should be shocked to hear this kind of man charged with such an act. All right? All right. That is being above reproach. And we looked at uh, verses 2 and 3, and really, as we think about our leadership, our leadership, uh, when we think about their testimony, they should fit into verses 2 and 3. Literally, we could say, therefore, John must be above reproach. Therefore, Steve McCormick must be above reproach. And then go all the way through verses 2 and 3, all right? And so, uh, that is... Um, That testimony, we looked at that last week. Now, we're going to talk about that second major division here, and that is family leadership. The next major qualification for the office of elder pastor is family leadership. Elders and pastors should be men who lead their family well. Well. Now, this is really a different standard from the world, all right? Different standard from the world. As, as we think about uh, CEOs of the world, guys that have really, guys and uh, men and women who have really been very successful in the, in the business realm, normally what we think about success is money and expansion in the business world. We don't often ask questions about their home whether or not he or she is a good parent or a good spouse or, or um, that uh, some of those other things that are personal. Matter of fact, uh, we are taught by the world that a leader's home world, their children, marriage, and even sex life, is personal and therefore no one else's business. And that's kind of what we think about when we think about leaders in the world, that the home is really divorced from their leadership. We don't look at their home. We look at just what they're doing in their business. But there is a different qualification for those who want to be leaders in the church. And so that qualification both for elder pastors and for deacons is that they lead their family well. And so in God's currency, home life matters Home life matters to God. In fact, marriage and parenting act as a proving ground for elder pastors. Consider these three truths. First of all, uh, first of all, he's a husband of one wife, husband of one wife. And so we looked at this uh, a, a while ago, uh, the idea, or I should say uh, last week, and I guess maybe the week before that as well. So we've talked about this three different weeks. Uh, but it's, it's not simply someone who is uh, divorced, although I, I think that is, is true here. It's not someone who is uh, just remarried, like if they were widowed and they were remarried then they can't be a pastor. I don't believe that's what it's saying. And also, I don't believe it's saying that you have to be married to be a pastor I don't think that's what it's saying either. Instead, really, what it's saying here for the husband of one wife, if you remember, this is literally a one-woman man. And so when we think about family leadership, the leaders at Wilton Bible Church, as they lead their family, they ought to be faithful to their family. An elder pastor should be a faithful husband to his wife and family. You know, the, the church, of course, is, is a picture of a marriage relationship. It's, it's, uh, the church is, is the bride and Christ is, is the groom. And, and so this, this picture, this, this uh, illustration of our families and our marriages is a picture of what the church, I'm sorry, the, the picture of the church is what our marriage should be like the love that we have for our wives and the reverence that the wife has for the husband. And so this is a picture. The church, of course, is a picture of marriage, or marriage is the picture of the church. Either way, husbands are to be faithful men. And in God's currency, this is important. And it is a good leadership skill. Someone who can lead their families. Another proving ground is hospitality. All right, that's in verse 2 as well, as we think about uh, what they're known for. Are they known for being hospitable? Hospitality reveals who you are in the privacy of your own home. It allows others to see your family in action. Now, there is this, this idea in churches that for some reason... Uh, pastors' kids, missionaries' kids, deacons' kids, uh, elders' kids, that there's this expectation that that kids should be perfect of leadership. And I'm just going to tell you that kids are not perfect. I mean, my kids are not any more perfect than your kids, all right? I remember uh, I I got to preach. My, My first Father's Day message was after uh, my oldest was born, and so she was still just a baby when I got to preach that, that uh, first Father's Day message. My senior pastor thought, oh, it will be fun since you're just a brand new father. Why don't you do the Father's Day message? So I had the opportunity and the privilege of doing that. And I do remember doing, uh, saying this. I do remember saying this. Well, if Madison ever needs to be disciplined, I will discipline her. And this same response happened. There were people that giggled in the audience. And then afterwards, someone came up to me and said, "Um, did uh, did you say if you, (laughs) you should probably say when you need to discipline Madison, you will discipline her. And, uh, of course, Madison is, is not perfect. All of my girls are not perfect, although they're all great girls, and I'm very thankful to have uh, the three girls that God uh, gave to me and Brooke. But, you know, my girls are not perfect. And when we think about family leadership, that should not be the expectation, all right? We're not looking for perfect families. You know why? Because there are no perfect families. And so I am not a perfect father, and Brooke is not a perfect mom, and we do not have perfect girls because we ourselves are not perfect. The Bible only outlines one perfect person that walked on earth, and that was Jesus Christ. All the rest of us make mistakes. All the rest of us sin And so, when we think about this idea of family leadership, and when we think about this idea of hospitality, if we go over someone's house, don't expect to see a flawless family in a flawless home, all right? If that is our expectation, uh, our leadership, our pastor elders, our deacon will fall short because we are not perfect individuals. Because, to be honest, our kids are still growing, just like your kids are. They're still growing in their faith. They're still growing in their obedience to God, just like I am, and just like the rest of our leadership is. And this leads me to the next portion here, which is the next proving ground is fathering. And so when we think about this, this topic, this, this major division here of, of family leadership, it's not just being faithful to your wife. It's not just being hospitable and inviting people into your, your personal area, your, your home. It's also being a good father. Notice here what it says in verse 4. This is again Paul's This is uh, Paul's qualification, and we could say it's God's qualification because he inspired and preserved it for the church. And this is what it says in verse 4. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And so that is the requirement that is set up. And, And again, notice these words that Paul puts forward for us he must manage he must manage and so it's not that we have perfect perfect kids it's not that i'm a perfect leader in my home because my daughter will tell you i am not a perfect leader but you know we ought to be fathers who lead our families because there are some parallels between a family, and a church. As parents, the one th- we, we, we understand that it's one thing to manage employees and policies and another thing to manage a home, to work with kids. I, I've heard um, uh, people say before, yeah, I can work with other people's kids, but I struggle with working with who? My kids. I've heard people say that. I can work with other people's kids but I can't work with my kids. And oftentimes that is a big struggle with own homes. It's one thing to manage employees or kids of other people. It's another thing to manage a home. Oftentimes the one who knows us best in our homes are our kids and our wife. See a, a elder a pastor elder a deacon we can put on a Good front on Sunday morning. I got it all together. I got my tie on. I got my my hair combed. Uh, uh, I got my shoes. They're not polished, but uh, I have my shoes on. We could seem like we're so together, but you know the people in our home know who we truly are. Matter of fact, I've I've heard uh, men men who. Men who preach the Bible uh, tell stories about uh, yelling at their kids on the way to church and then coming in and saying, hey, the Lord bless you, and and getting up and preaching and realizing for them that was a big struggle, something that they were working through. And so this idea of good fathering is not to be a perfect father, but in both the home and and the church, an elder pastor, is to lead in spiritual manner, in the spiritual matters. So, one author puts it this way, learn, uh, learn, to shepherd God's, uh, learn to shepherd God's family by shepherding yours first. And really, the home is really the training ground for our leadership, whether or not they can lead and care for their family tells a lot about whether or not they can lead and care for the church. Matter of fact, this is what Paul says. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So this, this is, seems pretty clear to me. In verse 4 he says, He must manage his own household well. And in verse 5 it says, If he doesn't manage his household well, how will he care for God's church? I just want to point this out, care. Notice that word care. The way that a man manages his family will be the way that he cares for the church. The way that he cares for his wife and kids is the way that he will care for you as one of God's sheep. And so really, as we think about Uh, fathers, good fathers. We ought to be self-controlled fathers. What I mean by self-controlled? That is spirit-controlled, not flesh-controlled. Shepherds should be self-controlled men within their homes. Shepherds should not be men who yell or are violent towards their children or wives. Shepherds within the home should be known as self-controlled men, men who are led by the Spirit. When it comes to church leadership, this is oftentimes our concern. When we look at sometimes leaders, when we look at just fathers, period, and we see the way that they react to their families and to their wife, this is always what I think, and maybe this is the wrong approach, I don't know. This is always my concern is, if this is how he treats his children and his wife in public, what is it like behind the closed door? What is it like when no one else is watching? And so really, this is one of the matters that we bring up in testimony. Is they, are they someone who is angry and loses their cool often? Are they someone who yells at their family members? The people that are underneath them in their family And if that is how they care for their family, then Paul says that's how they will care for you as a church, as part of God's flock. And so really as we think about that leadership within the home, they need to be self-controlled men, not men that react out of of emotion, not men who react out of the flesh, but men who say no to themselves themselves and yes to God. I remember, I remember as, a, as a youth pastor, we had these uh, uh, rowdy boys. And, uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch of them. And uh, their father was, was a good guy. And he loved the Lord. And he taught uh, Sunday school. But I remember on, I think it was a Wednesday night, uh, one of his, his youngest, actually, his youngest son came up and uh, said, Dad, let's go. And uh, his dad was, he was talking he was fellowshipping. And uh, the, that the teenage boy came up and, and he did this thing, slapped him in the face like this. And to see what his dad did, I could see his dad was like, and then he calmed himself down. And he said, we will leave when we're ready. And I thought, wow, that takes a lot of restraint. It was one of those times, you know, when you're working alongside another Christian and they hit their thumb with a hammer and you go, oh, what are they going to say? I was waiting to see what that man was going to do. And that man had self-control. He didn't react out of the flesh, although it would have been very easy for him to react out of the flesh. Instead, he showed self-control, and, and no doubt that son had a good stern talking to when they got home. But it's not just anger that really should, we should be careful of when we think about those church leadership. Another thing that we should be careful of is those leaders that deal with their family, and they deal in such an un Caring way. Maybe they're they're the type of pastor that's like, I mean, they're the type of father that's like, yeah, I don't care what my what my kids do, whatever they do is is what they do, and and uh, it's gonna be up to them. And they have no care for their family. Because really managing your family, discipling your kids, takes work, takes time. You can't really be a godly father and be a lazy father. And when we think about those people who are uh, fit within this idea of leadership in the home, not only do you not want someone who is very passionate and yells at his kids, but you also don't want someone who's very lazy and doesn't care about his kids. There must be a balance Someone who truly loves his kids and wants them to do what is right. Spends that time to encourage them, to disciple them, to teach them right from wrong. And I'm not just saying right from wrong as far as the world is concerned, but right from wrong as far as God is concerned. So that's what we want from our leadership. When we talk about this idea of leading homes and being good fathers We want guys who don't yell at their families. They're not lazy towards their families, but they're men who care and shepherd their families. And, of course, this qualification is not just for elder pastors. It's also for uh, deacons, and it comes up a little bit later as, as we look at the qualifications for deacons, and this is found in verse 12, and it says this, Let deacons each be Uh, Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. And so really in God's economy, not only is it elder pastors who, who ought to be able to lead their families to lead the church, but even deacons ought to be able to lead their families before they lead the church. And why? Because families is the testing ground for shepherds. And whether or not you're a leader here at Wilton Bible Church or you're just a father, as a father, you are shepherding your children. And so we ought to be leading them in the right way, encouraging them, showing them love, showing them care, caring for the flock within our home as shepherds of our own home and so we're going to stop there this morning because we do have uh, the Lord's Supper, but let me finish up with this. Today we've looked at two major qualifications, all right? Number one, testimony. What is our leadership known for? Okay, we talked about that last week. We touched on it this week. The second thing, do we have men who lead their families and who lead their families as well? Again, we are not seeking out Perfect families because there are no perfect families. But what we are seeking out is elder, pastor, deacons who lead their families in such a way that they would be available, no, would, that they would be qualified to be able to lead the church. And so we ought to pray. We ought to pray for our elders and, and pastors and deacons as we balance serving the Lord and the church with leading our families, that it's not just, there, there are some guys, and, and this is one of the blind spots of, of pastors and, and church leaders, is we can get so focused on the ministry that we forget our kids. I don't know how many pastors I've talked to uh, over the years, pastors that are way up in years, and, and I all, they always tell me this because I'm, I'm a uh, a pastor with a young family, be sure to spend time with your family. Followed by, I didn't spend time with my family and I regret it. And so there needs to be a balance there. One of the, one of the requirements, one of the qualifications is that a man know how to lead his family. It is a testing ground for how he will lead the church. And so we ought to pray for our leadership, that they would live balanced lives, knowing when to serve their family and knowing when to serve the family of God. And also pray that God would continue to raise up new leaders, spirit-filled guys who know how to lead their home, who are faithful to their families and faithful to their wife, and who are good fathers. Because again, leadership in the home is a testing ground for how they will one day lead A church, if God were to call them. And so, leadership in the home. The world might say it's not a big deal, as long as the finances and the programs moving forward. But in God's currency, family life is a big deal. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you again for these qualifications. Thank you for our leadership, Lord. Thank you for our pastors and elders and and deacons. Thank you for uh, the way that they manage their homes. But, Lord, we also know that we as leaders, me as a, as a father, as a husband, I'm not perfect. So, Lord, help us as men to know that balance, that balance of serving within the ministry, but also serving within the home, serving our, uh, our children and serving your children. Help us to be shepherds within our home so that we would know how to be shepherds within the church. Help us to care, whether we're parents, whether we're grandparents, help us to be the type of individuals who are not angry, that are not lazy, but those who are self-controlled, those who are willing to say yes to you and no to the flesh. May we be leaders who would bring you glory. And Lord, I also pray there's there's some men and women here that are, that are still younger. They're, they're not married yet. You have someone for them in the future, and they're going to be starting a, a family after uh, they grow up and get married. And so we pray that you would also use this in their life, that you would prepare them to lead their own families, that the Father would lead as the head of the house, that the wife would reverence and honor her husband and the children and honor their parents and that most of all it would be a home that brings you glory and so lord we know that there are good works set before us and as parents we have good works set before us it is to train our children to love and honor you and so give us that wisdom give us that wisdom that we need to bring you glory And so, Lord, I do pray for the fathers here, whether they're part of leadership or not. Help them to be able to balance work and family life, to be able to balance work and service and family, that you might receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.